Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Stoker. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen it, just be aware that we do discuss some elements of the plot and there may be spoilers. Enjoy. Some people call me the space cowboy. Yeah. Some call me the gangster of love. Some people call me Maurice. Because I speak. Hello. Some people call me the space cowboy. Some call me the gangster of love. Some people call me Maurice. Woo! And then I don't know the rest of the lyrics, but where I was going with that was, was I know that song is called The Joker, and eventually he says, I'm a Joker, I'm a something, a bunch of words that rhyme with Joker, and I was going to get Stoker in there somewhere. Is it Smoker, Midnight Toker? Oh, I'm a smoker, I'm a toker, I'm a midnight poker. Pawnbroker. Porn, midnight porn broker, yeah. yeah. It's a, a porn shop that opens at midnight <laughs> for one minute. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. People are all queuing up going, please buy my stuff. He buys two things and he's done. It's a very exclusive business. All the influencers are there. They're queuing up outside taking selfies. That's great, isn't it? Yeah. Midnight porn broker. So yeah, so that was that was kind of my song, but I didn't do it in time. I'm sorry. I was going to go with the song. It's a deep cut here for Mike Patton fans. Oh, okay. Um, have you heard Lovage before? Yeah, yeah. So one of their songs is called Stroker Ace, and I was going to sing that, but it's yeah. Stoker Ace instead. Lovage is possibly my second favorite Mike Patton thing behind Faith No More. Yeah. It's amazing. Not, um, Phantomass, se- 70 minutes of screaming that's just one track and that's apparently an album mr bungle <laughs> i don't love mr bungle they got that song egg where it suddenly goes into a jig in the middle <laughs> with the organ going crazy no i love stoke race it's, love got, that. it's got everything i like it's got male and female vocals playing off against each other um trip hop use some nice samples trip hop um, what Trip hop use. It sounds sort of oh, trip hoppy. Um, you said use in a very weird way there, like it was supposed <laughs> to be a different word. Um, use. And uh, my favorite of all is it's uh, all sort of framed around a character called Nathaniel Merriweather. Okay. Um, which is a made up person. And then, yeah, so it is just Dan the Automator, uh, Mike Patton, and Jennifer Charles. Um, and it's great. And yes, put 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 a put a link to some Lovage in the show notes. All right, cause... I will. I mean, lo- Lovage is what we do on this podcast, anyway. It That's is what we're all about. It is. Now, my favorite thing about Mike Patton is that in the recent press photos of Faith No More, he looks like Marcus Brigstock. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> um, and he... they look like a a band of old British comedians. <laughs> <laughs> wearing really like normal clothes and whatever it's just so far removed i'm sure that it's deliberate and it's meant to be a joke but it's so far removed from the faith no more that you learn you know and love which is still i still think of them as in the video for epic which i know they've got a whole bunch of other stuff i do have heard all their other stuff and it's great but when i was 14 and we just got cable and 
we had Kerrang! and MTV2. That song was on roughly every four tracks. So I saw that video so many times, more times than I can count. And Mike Patton with his shirt off going like that. That's that's what I think of when I think of Faith No More. Did you want to see all the other videos? But you can't have it. <laughs> I want it all. I, I love that song. I really love Faith No More. And, yeah, um, that's an more, amazing album. More than just that album, though, I love their entire back catalogue. Um, it's so, so weird as yeah. well. And they really, yeah, cross genres and styles without it being tedious and stupid. Yeah, the, it, each album feels very different, and then the songs within each album sound very different as well. Yeah, um, and then out of, of nowhere, a cover of Easy by Little <laughs> Yeah. Um, they're, they're one of the greats. Um, one of those bands where there's only a few bands that can do covers that are better than the originals. Um, and I'd say Faith No More are one of them. Their cover of War Pigs is incredible. Yeah. As well. Um, they're up there with Guns N' Roses in terms of taking other people's songs and making them better. Um, cause every Guns N' Roses cover is amazing. Yeah. Like their, their cover of, um, Live or Let Die is, incredible have you heard that yeah yeah it's so very very good it's so good but yeah but yeah no faith no more underrated underrated band for sure for sure and yeah all their various side projects very weird and very good yeah we're we we are fans here you know a band that have that that magical quality that very few musicians and bands have that sort of um like david bowie even though i'm not a massive fan of loads of his music i only really like a few of his songs but I really respect the ability he had to constantly reinvent himself and just the kind of the fearless nature of the aesthetic decisions that he took with his music and with himself. And I feel like Faith No More have that same quality. Yes, yeah, for sure. Um, they they really have that, that quality as well. It's all um, very special, I guess, is the best, best way to, yeah. to explain it. And they care a lot. They do, they do care a lot. Just like us. We care a lot about films, about romance, about cinema. And all the cinemas are shutting. Yes. I yeah. can't go to the cinema anyway. I'm so tired, as you can tell from the way I just yawned. I'm tired of it, man. I'm tired. Yeah, even even the little local one for us is closed now, which is very sad. But the good news is that it means that Frozen 2 is coming to Disney Plus as soon as we get Disney Plus, which is very soon. <laughs> Oh, yes, because Disney needs more money from us all. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So, this week, we watched a movie called Stoker, as mentioned right at the beginning. Had you seen this movie before, Paddy? I had not, no. it's. um, I remember seeing posters and trailers for it, maybe even just the poster, and thinking it was something to do with Bram Stoker, which is obviously wrong, and I am sorry for that. Yeah, how dare you? Yeah, I thought it was maybe potentially a vampire thing, which I don't think is an unreasonable assumption based on the the tone and the aesthetic of it, right? No, there's there's one there's one big old Stoker in history, isn't there? Yeah, Bram. Yeah, Bram Stoker. Um, and no other Stokers in history. <laughs> no other Stokers at all. Nobody ever stoked um, a fire. That wasn't a thing until Bram Stoker came along. Yeah, people think he's famous just for him. writing Dracula, but he was actually the guy who invented stoking a fire. Until yep. Bram Stoker came along, all the fires were just going out all the time. He also founded the town of Stoke-on-Trent. Yep. <laughs> um, little known fact about Bram Stoker. 
Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, Stoke on Trent, named after him, and then Terence Trent Derby. Yeah, yeah. The two who also formed the the town of Derby. Yeah, he got around. Yeah, that's the main the um, thing people don't realize about Terence Trent Derby. Most people think he's just a joke from an Alan Partridge episode where he's talking about him <laughs> on the radio, as I did for a long time. <laughs> did you did you think he was some a character made up? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'd never heard of him until I I heard of him in the context of Alan Partridge. And if that's the, your first entry point to something, I think that kind of colours it for you. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, um, but yeah, there was no Terence Trent Darby in the movie Stoker, but instead you Which get is a shame. the the way that I feel about Stoker is it's the greatest most bombastic soap opera ever yeah where where the plot of this film is gorgeous trash and it's beautifully filmed but that central kernel is just the wonderful trash fire of its story yeah of of estranged insane i like my central kernels to be more of a more of a military type you know sort of a sort of a nick (laughs) nick offerman looking guy yeah yeah I don't um, like so, Matthew Good as a colonel. I don't think he works. <laughs> so, but did you enjoy? Because it? no you, one writes to the colonel. But did did you enjoy Stoker? Uh, I don't know if enjoy is the right word. I think this isn't really my thing. Like this isn't the kind of film I would choose to watch, and not because I don't care for this sort of thing. But you know, sometimes I watch these kind of films and I'm like pleasantly surprised. But this is this is what they call a psychological thriller, isn't it? Yes, yeah. And I think overall I'm just not that bothered about these kind of films. It's a bit like sort of crime and thriller books, I think, because I've worked in trade publishing for a long time and I see that there are so many. The the volume of books like this are endless and the covers all look the same and they sell loads and there they are. But to me they're all kind of the same. And I thought this wasn't this, this wasn't generic, but it was still, there was something about it that just didn't really grab me and I just thought, oh, really, why? But I didn't dislike it either, does that make sense? I don't think I could necessarily fault it, but it didn't grab me and it wasn't an enjoyable cinematic experience for me from that point of view. Does that make sense? Yeah, I can understand that. These kind of um, films where it's like, it's all about the kind of weird family interplay or about someone who is supposed to be good turns out to be bad. And it's all like, woo, psychological. It's like, you, you remember that... I was thinking, I was trying to process it and thinking about this earlier today. Do you remember a few episodes ago? It was your idea, obviously. I'd never choose a film like this. But it was, we watched that, what was that shit film on Netflix where the guy was like, they used to work together and he drugged her and pretended oh, to be yes, her husband yeah. and like then buried her in the backyard or whatever. Or she killed him and buried him in the backyard. What was that film called? I can't remember what it's called. It had some, it had some rubbish title as well. Secret, in cell, in, in cell rebellion, secret, secret desire, or something. It was secret cool, desire, it? It secret obsession, like secret obsession. That's right. So, yeah, Stoker is basically that, but with some meat on the bones. Yeah, that, and and that's what I really enjoy about this film <laughs> is that that it is that trashy. Um, like I said, it feels like a soap opera. If you boil down the actual plot, you know, it's got that real cheesy tv movie or soap opera quality to it but then the packaging around it 
is so good that it almost takes on this symbolism in its own right where um there, there's there's some really ingenious scenes in this movie but all of it is framed around i've got a i've got a secret uncle uh-oh he escaped from a mental <laughs> asylum and I, I love that that's kind of like the frame uh-oh, he of reference. killed my dad with a rock on my 18th birthday <laughs> because he just happened to have a big pointy rock in the car with him no he picked it up <laughs> Oh, did he? Yeah, he, he went out oh, and he okay. threw up and he deliberately picked up a rock when he did it. He didn't oh, just okay. happen to have a massive rock. <laughs> he just rock. had a rock. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, um, he's he's so, you know, mentally unstable. He just carries massive sharp rocks carries, with him all the time. just carries dangerous. <laughs> he's just his pockets are full of flint. Yeah. That, that's um so so yeah, so this movie, I I saw it at the cinema and I remember at the time not quite knowing what to make of it, apart from that I really enjoyed the performances. I really enjoyed the direction because it's flashy and strange, which is always a really good combination. Um, yeah, aesthetically, and, this is this is gilded, you know. Yeah. This, is, this has got some Fortnum and Mason packaging, but inside is essentially a digestive it's it's um it, it's it's a it's a hobnob that's been wrapped in gold leaf is what I it fucking is fucking hate hobnobs <laughs> hobnobs hobnobs are a punishment you know i i like a hobnob they're fine really they're, they're one of those things that's overrated because people talk about them as being a great biscuit but do they yeah but they're 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 fine insane they're, people talk about there there are far worse biscuits out there than hobnobs that's true you ever had a Garibaldi? Actually, I yeah. quite like a Garibaldi. I despise Garibaldi. I just keep, think it's fun to say Garibaldi. Keep that dried fruit away from my biscuit. Dried fruit has very little place in anything, <laughs> let alone in biscuits. Uh, don't you love the fact that there's a biscuit named after one of the people who helped to unite Italy? Isn't that wonderful? No. Because it's a shit biscuit. Yeah. Get out. Get and the thing is that it, the name is actually a coincidence. It's actually named after a British man called Gary Baldy. It's named after Terence Trent Darby, actually. Terence Trent Baldy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. B apostrophe Aldi. Um, <laughs> so, 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 Stoker. Yeah. Plot summary. Yeah, hit it. Well, firstly, um, I, the, I had another way to think about it, which is that you know in Nathan Barley when there's that, that girl who does the like bad to have a bad uncle song. Yes, yeah. This is basically that. the film version of that. Yeah. um so so rich family in america they're a bit strange um uh india stoker is the daughter played by she loves hunting mia vajakowska who is very good she is very attached to her father on her birthday her father dies um and it's a car crash apparently yep at the funeral and that's just the plot at the at the funeral um along comes charles stoker played by matthew good uh who is suave uncle who's apparently been traveling europe and working in europe and nobody knows about him um creepy and uncle imme- charlie creepy uncle charlie and immediately um evelyn stoker the mother played fantastically by nicole kidman can i point out i love yep. her in this she is so good um is immediately like "Ooh, who's this handsome man he's much more handsome than my husband 
this mysterious uncle mm. character and they start a sort of frisson of romance but at the same time there's this untrustworthiness around this this loner strange character india the daughter who um doesn't like to be touched doesn't really socialize with people um yet at the same time there's this very odd power dynamic in the house between her and uncle charlie yeah as he's gradually taken over yeah and 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 this sort of like builds into this very strange thing where they have this rivalry but also a connection in terms of the way that they think and and operate um that kind of transcends the rest of the family dynamic and random bad stuff happens you get to see (laughs) (laughs) you get to see the poor aunt get get brutally murdered in a telephone booth because she is close to revealing charlie's secret yeah um he's clearly a bad man but they don't necessarily know that he's a bad man he's because he's uncle charlie yeah he wears nice blazers he wears nice places. He has a nice car. Everyone at the school fancies him because he's Matthew Good. Yeah. And has a nice car. And, um, and yeah, and, and hijinks ensue. And, and there's some really odd scenes in this movie. So he has been, uh, effectively what happened was when he was a very young child, he <laughs> buried his younger brother <laughs> in, in the sand pit killing him which yeah. got him sent to Why a mental it? asylum because he was jealous of him. yeah so i think it was the jealousy angle right um and and so rather the, than the older brother played with him more yes yeah right and, and so um because of that rather than taking this kid to counseling or everything anything like that they just locked him away in a mental asylum until he was like 40 yeah and then when he got out his his older brother said no you can't come and stay with us go and live your life i never want to see you again at which point i've uncle, given you money and a car and an apartment in new york at which point uncle charlie says no i want family and so murders him <laughs> and then yeah. goes and starts <laughs> taking over his family which what's is, the line that he says i love you a little bit less now and then he immediately uses that line back at him as he kills him with a rock yeah it's great i love as if scene, that right? was some big line that was said way earlier in the film to give it time to you know to really embed itself no immediately turn it back and kill him but i love it i love i love matthew good in this film i really love creepy matthew good creepy matthew good is the best kind of matthew good yeah. Um, particularly when you combine that it definitely with... beats dour fake Irish Matthew Good. <laughs> yeah for sure for sure as long as we're providing continuity I realise that actually today as we're recording this is St. Patrick's Day and we released Leap Year to celebrate Leap Year but actually it's in the week of St. Patrick's Day so yeah. happy St. Patrick's Day to all of the Irish people listening and sorry about Leap Year <laughs> yeah, happy, happy I hope Saint you celebrate St. Patrick's, Patrick's Day indoors by not watching Leap Year yeah watching something other than Leap Year yeah um like ps i love you which is a, <laughs> a much more sympathetic to island <laughs> yeah, film. A much more offensive <laughs> um so um something like michael collins with liam neeson yeah That's yeah nice and uplifting film yeah exactly um yeah. so uh so so yeah so so this movie is is beautiful trash is how i think of it yep um i'd agree with that where that there there's some there's some really great scenes in it that I think are worth calling out. Um there's that wonderful scene where they're playing piano together, which is just Oh yeah. I think that was the best scene in the film yeah. for me, for sure. 
and like it's it's a really eerie piece of music but it's still quite fast and it's sort of it's upbeat and pumping and it's that sense of that sense of dread and of sort of oncoming dread but it's still there's still something lighthearted about the piece of music i don't know what the piece of music is whether it was made for the film or whether it was a pre-existing piece but yeah and then he he comes around her and the hands are there so she's like trapped and he, with her you always get the sense that she she is hates everything he's doing and is really creeped out by it and but also kind of likes it and then that comes to obviously to that moves in a, a direction <laughs> yes um yeah it's uh it, it's a it's a scene that kind of almost is the entire movie it's like a microcosm of the entire movie really where it's about his slow control and domination of the family dynamic and the way that she's resisting it but at the same time it's igniting something in her yeah um and that creepy kind of just leaning over into is he an incest pervert thing that never quite gets there because she kills him instead and you're like okay yeah it it never quite gets resolved (laughs) but there's that definite hint of there's there's a nonce factor in play in this movie, isn't there? <laughs> Major nonce factor. <laughs> and, and which is, again, it's, it's one of those things where it's almost that there is, there is a humor to this film. There, there's, there's a definite kind of playfulness to it, which I think is part of the reason why I feel as though it works perhaps more than you do, but it, I think it might have played into the fact that you didn't entirely hate it or didn't entirely yeah. find it boring. That's that's really right, actually, and I think that it, there is a certain there's a knowing quality to it, and that especially and it's written all over Matthew Good's face, the way he kind of smirks through every scene that does bring just that tiny element of comedy that I think is also the reason that it weirded me out, but also without that, I think I would have disliked it because it would have just been so kind of, it would have been too overly serious and it would have taken itself too seriously. And I just thought, well, yeah, all right, I get it. You're trying to be this like great aesthetic thing, but you're trash. Whereas, you know, if it's trash, that's funny, then it's kind of okay. Right? Yeah. Cause if you took away that element and that weirdness, all you're left with is a big budget secret obsession. And that's all you'd have. Yeah. So it needs that strange quality to. You're telling me Secret Obsession didn't have a big budget. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. I mean, it was the most expensive movie of all time, wasn't it? Secret Obsession. Yeah. Um. But but it, but instead, you get those scenes like the piano scene. You get the the shoe hunt. Sorry, I just remembered that when you sent me that, the the file name was Secret and Obsession. <laughs> <laughs> and you spelled it just N O B. Yeah. Which is somehow funnier because I think it should be K N O B, but often when people spell it like that i find it funnier yeah when it's when it's just spelled n-o-b it's much funnier it's it's the the rule um (laughs) but but yeah so you get those scenes like the piano scene you get the um weird scene where he's driving his car behind the school bus and just following her up the road to their house just driving at five miles an hour Um, and she's look she's watching it in her sort of really wide makeup mirror yeah yeah yeah, that's really odd. While all the school kids are fooling around on the bus in the background. Yeah, and and you get the um. Th- there's one scene which almost could be quite horrific, but instead, because of the so so she escapes from her house and she goes to meet up with um with a young Han Solo. Yeah, young Han Solo. So another kid at, his, at her school, um, Ansel Elgort, who uh. It played young Han Solo in Solo. No, no, it's um, Olden Ehrenreich. Is that Olden Ehrenreich? I always get yeah. those two mixed up. Ansel Elgort is the, the young boy from The Fault in Our Stars and Baby Driver. Oh, okay. Well, Who I also quite like. They're the same person, aren't they? 
He he could have been um, young Han Solo yeah. as well. They're, they're both the same person. But he was too tall. He's a surprisingly tall guy. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I'm amazed that they're not the same person. Actually, oh well. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Um, what about? Um... Have you ever seen them in the same room? No. I've... Or in the same film, in fact. No, I th- it's because it's not possible. Yeah. Is... Oh, look, when you Google Alden Ehrenreich, the first thing that comes up, Alden Ehrenreich height. <laughs> 1.76 meters. Well, that means nothing to me. Why does Google give you people's height in meters? Who do they think we are? French. Sake. Yeah. Five foot nine. There you go. Yeah, that is quite short. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, so young Han Solo... Uh, is goes goes to her school and initially you think oh he's another one of these loner characters so they'll do some kind of there'll be some kind of romance there but instead no he yeah, yeah. he tries to rape her um and just as it's reaching a scene where you think oh this might be very uncomfortable along comes Matthew Good who then <laughs> like ties him up kills him with a belt ties him up with a belt and is, basically says oh India deal with him how you want so she kicks kicks him a bit um. Then he tries to kill her because he gets loose. And so Matthew Good just breaks his neck with a belt. He's a belt killer. He kills people with a belt, which I think is great. I think that was a really good choice <laughs> because you're yeah. like... Well, they don't turn it into like the police are after the belt killer of whatever shitfuck town they live in. <laughs> yeah, bum, bum, like the Scranton America. Strangler. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... it's um, in, yeah, but it's such a weird choice, isn't it? It's like, who kills people with a belt? That's such a weird thing to do. Yeah. And she clearly has these violent urges as well, because he's like, um, young Han Solo turns on her and tries to rape her after she... Does she stab him or no, she bites, she bites him bites or something? him whilst they're kissing. Bites him, him, yeah. After, but also he's turned on by it, because he, the whole reason he likes her is because he witnessed her stab one of the bully boys with a, with a pencil. Yeah. Which that guy totally deserved, by the way. Yeah. Ev- After, like, perving on her in art class and then pretending to punch her. And, and this movie, what the fuck's that about? this, this movie does the thing that it's kind of one of the basic things about storytelling is if you want your, if you want your audience to sympathize with weird, possibly evil people, you've got to make the people around them that much worse in some way, shape or form. Yep. So it might be that they're nastier characters, which is what this movie does, you know, um, in... And what's great about this film is nobody's good. Yes, yeah. Every... Apart from Matthew Good. Because that's <laughs> his name. Because um, yeah. <laughs> everyone in this movie is a wrong one. There's no good characters in this. Um, so... But by default... Even Nicole Kidman, she's got a weird thing about ice cream. (laughs) Well, Nicole Kidman's character... Should we talk about Nicole Kidman's character in this? Yes, Um, I think we should. You know, there's been some bad mothers in movies. But I think... I mean, there's that film, Mother! Mother! Um, Mother! (laughs) (laughs) That's about bad mothers. And then there's also that film, Bad Moms. Yeah, which is all about... And Bad Moms Christmas. All about bad moms. Have you seen any of them? No, I have not. They no, they come not, up every so often, and I'm like, oh, that seems like the kind of shit we should be. We watching. should be watching it at some point, but unfortunately, the Bad Mum Award of cinema, well, one of them goes to Nicole Kidman in this film because she is a terrible mother. It's in- incredible. Um, so so all yeah, she just dismisses all of her daughter's concerns ev- and needs <laughs> every single thing that her daughter wants. She's just like, no, you're stupid, go away. It's wonderful. 
um <laughs> like but un- unbelievably great passive aggression as well um there's that great sort of like not not quite a monologue um but but along those lines where she says um i've often wondered why it is we have children in the first place and the conclusion i've come to is (laughs) at some point in our lives we realize things are screwed up beyond repair so we decide to start again wipe the slate clean start fresh and then we have children little carbon copies that we turn to and say you will do what i could not you will succeed where i have failed because we want someone to get it right this time (laughs) But not me, personally speaking, I can't wait to watch life tear you apart. <laughs> Which is just so fucked up. Um, and comes not quite out of nowhere, but it is kind of a left turn. And it's like, actually, you could have really made the film about that, made it her story and how she is affected by having been a mother and all this stuff. But instead, it's just, no, it's mainly about um, Stoke India and Uncle Charlie having their pervy incest weird murder thing. And then she's just there being a bad mum on the side. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because that dynamic, and and the family dynamic is one of the most interesting things about this movie, is you've got these three very, very strange people. You've got mad murder uncle, terrible mother, creepy child. and, and Mad murder uncle. And, and, and I think I saw those guys on tour with like um, the anti-nowhere league. One of those, <laughs> one of those always punk bands. Or stiff little fingers, um, something like that. <laughs> um and 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 like that's the most interesting part of this movie is the way that those three operate together um but you're right like that whole mother-daughter dynamic could almost be a movie in itself but instead it's it's this strange framework of the whole thing that really sort of pushes it along um yeah because um mia vazakovska's character you're always like well what the hell is wrong with you and then you look at nicole kidman's character and you're like all right yeah yeah (laughs) that's why that's why um so yeah so and and that there are kind of like wider themes in this movie about you know um social isolation uh Uncles. loss how people who are mentally ill are always murderers you know yes yeah. and like i was that. kind of vaguely disappointed that it went down that route yeah. but also at that point i had kind of realized that it was vaguely knowing trash that had that just slightly comic edge and you're just like okay fine yeah we'll go with that yeah i think if he hadn't murdered his brother with a rock, it would have been difficult. But then you're like, okay, I, I, I he get did it. bludgeon his brother to death with a rock after yeah. a... his brother Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it's that guy who looks it, like Robert. It's Downey the guy Jr. that looks like Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, um, and uh, and so yeah, it's uh, Dermot O'Leary. Uh, <laughs> D- Dermot O'Leary. <laughs> Yeah, um, uh, kind of a, a left turn for him, but uh, d- you know you got to broaden out your CV, haven't you? Um, Dermot Mulroney, who was in My Best Friend's Wedding. Have you seen My Best Friend's Wedding? No, but again, that oh no, I have. Yeah, yeah. Julia Roberts. But again, that seems like the kind of shit we should be. We watching. should be watching. Um, no, I I have seen it, but I can't remember anything about it. It's one of those films where I can't remember anything about it, but as soon as I start watching it, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this. I remember this. I remember this, and then I forget it as soon as it's done. Yeah, it's the one where she loves her best friend's uh, fiance, isn't it? And then it's like, yeah. well, I better ruin their marriage, <laughs> which is great. You know, it's her best friend whose dad owns the Chicago White Sox. I do not remember that, but yeah, there we go. Do I remember the baseball details? 
<laughs> and I'm just grasping for anything to do with baseball at the moment because baseball has been cancelled indefinitely. So Yeah, I found a void because sport no longer is happening. And it, the good thing with you is that you you play video games, so they're not cancelled. It's true. Well, I think that video games are going to be delayed or cancelled because, you know, you can't have people working on them in the same way. That's true. Um, yeah. So, video ga- like game devs can't really work from home unless they have their like amazingly fast computers at home. Yeah, and, and so I think some indie devs will be able to because they'll all be working remotely on things together. But in terms of those big big releases um i think we are going to see delays down the pipeline with that i think it's only a matter of time um but you know what you'll have to content yourself with games about kicking things and masturbating <laughs> yes um <laughs> i have me earlier today i have a game to review um possibly the highlight of my career a game called wanking simulator um, I, th- I think it's it's the high point of your career you will never go higher than this this is your peak that you got that game for free. Yeah. Because you are a person in the industry. Yeah. You're a media figure. Yeah. You got that game for free. I get to play Wanking Simulator before it before this great pinnacle, this landmark of video gaming reaches the disgusting public at large. Um the hogs who are waiting for <laughs> the it. The hogs who are there <laughs> salivating at the chance to play a game which seems to revolve around jacking it and kicking things. Um <laughs> Yeah. Um, which honestly from the trailer looks like it was made in Minecraft. <laughs> I think yeah, I, I I will let you know how it goes when I get around to playing it. I've it's started installing now. Um and oh, so good. uh yeah, so I I will be getting a review up probably in it the also looks days. vaguely like that um you know nathan barley when pingu's playing labor party conference the video game very much like that it also yeah. looked a little bit like that <laughs> um but yeah so uh so so yeah i've i've got that to review um a distinct lack of um simulation in stoker but there is some masturbation in stoker um, in another very odd scene where um, India Stoker has just helped murder someone and then the next scene she's in the shower and you think oh is this the is this the crying in the shower scene that happens in movies nope she's jacking it she is yep. she, she, she is <laughs> she, she is masturbating in the shower having just murdered not someone. a simulation and she's going for yeah. it and kind of looking like it's hard work but then when it finishes she looks happy for the first time in the entire movie and you're like okay i'm glad that it took that for you to get to that place but i'm happy for you yeah it's uh it's a very <laughs> it's a very odd movie this movie it's a very strange one um but yeah there are little turns like that where it does surprise you and it's not necessarily always a good surprise. Or I always, yeah, I thought I was like, okay, you going down that road? Okay, sure. It's not what I would necessarily choose to watch, but there we go. Yeah, all right. <laughs> you think well, <laughs> at least it's made bold decisions. I think that's the way to describe this movie. It's it's very yeah. com- it's very confident in its approach. Whether that is necessarily a good thing or not probably depends on the on the viewer. But uh, but I yeah, and you know, you know, boldness is an important quality in these films, especially as you say, for comparing it to something like Secret Obsession, that made zero bold choices, even though a lot of the stuff in it was quite fucked up. It's all generic fucked upness that's borrowed from other films and from books and whatever that people have those kind of expectations. Whereas nothing in Stoker was generic. 
no no it's it's uh it's a very unique film um and and even in comparison to um the director's other works so it's um directed by chanwick park who i don't know if you've seen any of his movies no um, i'm aware of the old boy is a film where a lot of people die very gruesomely yeah so so he's uh done old boy lady vengeance um thirst as well is a really good um horror movie um in fact it's something that we could possibly watch uh for halloween month so it's all about a a vampire so he's a priest who sort of contracts vampirism but it's done in quite an interesting and unique way um you're telling me he's a vampire and a priest yeah vampire priest that's that's a good idea i like that that's two things combined that work um and he did the handmaiden the um the adaptation of Sarah Waters Fingersmith yes. um, that came out a few years ago. So um, so he's a really accomplished director, very interesting movies, but even Stoker feels, they all feel a little bit different. Um, so it's not as though... It was his English language debut. Yes, that's right. Um, and, and it's a, I don't know, there's, every so often, I, I, I don't love this movie. I don't think it's an incredible film, but every so often I think about this film and think, you know what, I'm glad it exists. Yeah, it it occupies its place in the the history of cinema, and it deserves it. Yes, yeah, it's it's a very pretty movie. It's a very bold movie. At some points, it's as dumb as a bag of hammers, and <laughs> I I appreciate that in a film. Sometimes I like movies that have silliness to them, and you know, I think some of the silliness here is intentional. I think some of it isn't intentional. Um, some of it is also to do with the fact that murder is sexy now because of podcasts as we talked about last week (laughs) yeah I mean this this ever so slightly predates the current obsession with with, if they were making this now it would just be a podcast series it would just be a podcast series wouldn't it be um, be one of those one of those fiction podcasts where they tell a story and it would all be from India's perspective about a strange uncle but everyone would think it was real yes yeah and then they're like we've got to find her real uncle and yeah. then poor Matthew Good gets in trouble. And he's like, no, I promise you I'm good. I'm really good. But look at my name. I am good. Yeah. What What more proof? further proof do you need? So. Sorry, I have to issue a small clarification, which is that last week when we were talking about Downton Abbey, um, I said that Dan Stevens' character dies and comes back to life, which is not true. What happened was that he um, he loses the use of his legs in the war. And then suddenly in one episode, he can miraculously walk again, which is somehow worse. So fuck Downton Abbey still. <laughs> um, yeah, that's still pretty bad, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure on that. That sounds So ap- apologies to Downton Abbey fans for everything I said. I apologize for nothing. <laughs> you, you stick by your statement. Yeah, um, sorry, I just had to issue that important clarification while it, while I remembered. Otherwise, I knew I'd forget, and then it would be dragging on from episode to episode. Everyone being angry at me. Down to there'd be, be fan forums lighting up. Yeah, they'd be furious with you. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Hugh Bonneville Hashtag knocks on my door canceled. for a chat. <laughs> yeah. And I say, Hugh, what are you doing? You can't go outside. COVID-19. And he's like, I'm Hugh Bonneville. What do you think? I can do what I want. I'm going to take you downtown abbey and beat you up <laughs> um, downtown. 
Everything's good when you're downtown. Dan no Stevens can COVID. walk again. <laughs> I was going to do No One's Got COVID-19, but we all know that ain't true. Oh, dear. Um, so, unsurprisingly, this movie was quite divisive with critics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before so, we go there, let's just say it has a 69% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Which is a very nice score. Nice. Very, very um, nice. So, um, so, Empire gave it, you know, top marks, 100 out of 100. Wow. Um, Empire scores out of 100? Or out of 10 or whatever it is. I'm looking at Metacritic here. <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, equally got high scores from Chicago Sun-Times, AV Club, Film.com, IndieWire, New Yorker, The Guardian. All of them gave it at least four out of five. Um, but then when you're looking down the bottom end of it, um, so uh, Playlist gave it 16 out of 100, calling it a brutally empty movie. 16. <laughs> Deeply Ouch. unfortunate. San Fran Chronicle uh gave it uh 25 out of 100 saying the the movie reveals itself as not merely dull but pointless <laughs> see um, that is the thing about these kind of th- films that i think is the reason i struggle with them is that i'm just never sure what the point of them is not that every film even has to have a point but i'm just like why is this the story that needed to be told what's the point of any rom-com well exactly yeah but movies to me, I don't know, they make more sense because they want to tell you that love is great. This movie wants to tell you that murder is Love cool. is nice. Well, exactly. We all know that now, thanks to the <laughs> podcasts, but we <laughs> didn't know that in 2013. Yeah, exactly. Um, this so, film, in- interestingly enough, came out like a few weeks before Roger Ebert died, but it doesn't look like he reviewed it. Oh, I missed it. Uh, I was Kirk. just trying to see if he'd given one of his really awful opinions about it. Really, really respected film critic. Decades of amazing film criticism. Who liked Garden State? <laughs> well, lots of people. He was Garden out State. of his mind. Lots of people like Garden State. Um, yeah, I, I don't feel as though movies need to have a point. No. And, and people people come up with that sort of like, oh, why why is there no point to this movie? Or or then when a movie has an obvious point and people misread it deliberately, they're like. Don't be, don't be a bell end. Not everything needs to have a point, and not everything needs to fit your opinion of what it should have been. Like the perfect example of that is, even is, though we say that, but we do spend half of a lot of our episodes talking about how much better a film would have been if we made it, and how but, it should have been this thing. But, but but that's different from discussing whether a movie needs to have an ideology or a thematic truth to it. You know, some of the movies that we've put forward as amendments, we don't then change that that kernel in the middle, that 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 idea, that ideology. We just know how to make a better movie because we're great. Yep, and we know how to work with kernels because of all our extensive military experience. I was going to say how much time I spend in KFC, but uh... <laughs> well, that too. But yeah, like the, the perfect example of that is is Joker, where a lot of people got very very angry with it, almost Still deliberately deliberately missing the point of it as well and you're like you know you can dislike the movie based on what it is you don't have to fabricate reasons to dislike it Mm. that was a really divisive film wasn't it it was it was um but it's good i say it's good ergo it is good yeah i would like to see it it's interesting and it's the only big budget superhero movie i've seen that suggests that rich people dressing up in costumes to beat up poor people might not be 
the way to save society, <laughs> which I think is nice. What do you mean? Um, which I which I think is nice. Very few movies do that um, in a clever way, but I like that Joker did that. Um, but Stoker does not have people dressing up in costumes to beat people up. No. Um, There's no um, need for costumes here. Unless you count the very good costume design, because the costume design in this movie is also immaculate. It's yeah. a really cool-looking film. Matthew Good dresses impeccably. I love his dress sense in this, but I think everybody dresses incredibly well and it all fits very well where there's almost this timeless quality to it where you don't quite know where or or rather when it's set, where it's almost got this like 50s, 60s noir feel to it in terms of the sort of isolation, the family dynamic, the classic vehicles. But at the same time, there's clearly also this contemporary edge. And it's, I, I think that kind of, it's difficult to pinpoint and that in part makes it also interesting and also mysterious. Yeah. I thought, I thought they really nailed that actually. There were sort of things like there's a motel and a phone box or whatever. And you're like, but that still could be from any time. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You've got dive bars. Um, you've got classic cars, but at the same time, of course, these rich people have classic cars. They're rich. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. So it's an interesting one. Yeah, it is. I enjoyed it. And, you know, Nicole Kidman's costumes are all very good. And there's times where she's wearing this sort of satin, like, night nightgown type things. And you're like, there's just a, like a vague sexiness there that, again, hints at the kind of whole incesty perversion of it, but never quite goes there. Yes, yeah. And, and the fact that it never quite goes there, I think, works in its favour, where it's still just slightly naughty and slightly raunchy without it becoming proper creep show territory yeah because that's the thing often with these kind of films you they get to that point and then they can't resist tipping over into that edge and just making it full-on perverted and horrible and nasty it wasn't nasty even though it had a couple of quite sort of brutal murder scenes in it it never tipped over into that um that pornographic edge that's michael bay quality you know yeah <laughs> michael bay stoker is a very different movie <laughs> isn't it yeah it's about about half of it is her chasing the sheriff at the end with a pair of shears <laughs> which is a great scene after a car way. chase <laughs> i really love that horrible scene at the end where she murders the sheriff and then it's just um, over yeah you're like well that's happened <laughs> yeah um, yeah it's uh it's uh yeah it's it's interesting um i don't know if i'd recommend this to everybody no um it's definitely not a film for everyone but it's it's weird but it is an interesting movie it's, it's an interesting film yeah it's interesting i'm glad it exists not something i would have chosen to watch but still i sort of vaguely enjoyed it whilst also being oh this is weird okay you know i like i like bringing these odd curveball films to the table every now and again yeah no it's good it breaks it up nicely and it's sort of it's hitchcockian without trying to be too much too far in that direction and while still retaining that sort of knowing quality of saying yeah you know what we love hitchcock but let's have a little bit of a laugh at least yeah let's let's have matthew good driving his car very slowly behind her as she's walking up to the house for no yeah. reason <laughs> yeah let's have a thing about not being allowed or being allowed ice cream yeah <laughs> let's have a body in the freezer yeah um and you know who loved ice cream alfred hitchcock alfred hitchcock he was obsessed a big rum and raisin guy. I bet. I bet. 
Um, that should lead into a joke about Hitchcock's films, but I'm struggling to remember <laughs> any of them. Vertigo, this ice cream is too cold. <laughs> oh, um, <dear. laughs> so, so right. So, shall I, shall I dig out some trivia for it, or have you got anything? Yeah, else yeah, yeah. Hit me, hit me with the trivia. Um, so the hit me with the trivia. <laughs> hit me. Speak, and and so we're getting off on a musical. Uh, a, a musical segue so uh the score of this movie was primarily by clint mansell um but initially it was going to be philip glass and philip glass uh, did uh compose the piano duet right so that is philip glass it sounds like a philip glass piece yes yeah. um and speaking of that scene uh that was uh mia Vazakovska's favorite scene in the in the movie and the favorite scene to shoot nice um this was written by Wentworth Miller. Do you know Wentworth Miller? Yes, he's an, an, primarily an acting man. Yeah, he's the prison prison break guy. He's also God, been. I remember in... when everyone was watching Prison Break, and I was like, oh, Prison Break, <laughs> boring. Um, but he, he's been in in all sorts. Um, you know, he's 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 been in a lot of stuff. Um, and uh, and yeah, one one movie that I really like. Uh, called the loft which is a remake of a of a a dutch movie i think about these creepy married guys who all uh share a loft apartment where they take the people who they're cheating with back to instead of back to their own homes um but then a woman ends up dead there and they're trying to work out which one of them murdered someone in their shared den of horror um which Sounds is a suitably grim it's a grim trashy beautiful trash fest um but yes so wentworth miller primarily an actor but he wrote this which i think is you know interesting good name sounds like an american author from the 50s it is yeah wentworth, yeah, miller. Any wentworth miller just smoking a cigar sitting by a typewriter yeah so uh the lead uh was almost colin firth but he dropped out i i could see that I could, but at the same time, I don't think he's got the... He's. I don't think he's quite creepy enough, no, is he? No, exactly. Um, Are there any films where he's creepy? He's a bit creepy in A Single Man. He's. He plays a royal. Royals are inherently creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Very creepy, especially if they're stuttering. Yeah, creepy royals. Um, Isn't Matthew Good in A Single Man as well? Uh, I can't remember, possibly. Yeah, he is. That's one we could talk about as well. We could do, we could do. But yeah, so so he was nearly it. They also considered James Franco, Joel Edgerton, and Michael Fassbender. Wow. Um, so I could see Fassbender in this role very, very yeah. much so. Franco would have um, hammed it up too much. Yeah. Um, and uh, Jodie Foster was also originally cast as Nicole Kidman's character. Yeah, um, I could see that. So um yeah, so it could have been a very, very different movie depending on who was who was cast. Um for India Stoker they also uh, considered Carrie Mulligan, Kristen Stewart, Rooney Mara, Emily Browning, Emma Roberts. Um so lots of very talented people also could have been that role. Yeah. Um, I could have seen any of those people doing it, but once once you hit upon Mia Bazakovska being the person, you're like, Yep, yeah, perfect. Yes, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's um, a lot like a lot of her other roles, but that's not a bad thing. No, no. And I think she's um, underrated. I think she's very good. 
Yeah. Um, Again, one of those people who people possibly think of as just a scream queen, but actually she has quite a varied CV. Yeah, she's done a lot of a lot of interesting stuff. There's one movie she's going to be in this year called Judy and Punch, and it's like a gritty Punch and Judy film. Oh, that sounds fucking um, awful. About puppeteers who are trying to resurrect their marionette show in an anarchic town on the brink of mob rule. It sounds totally batshit, and I'm here for it. That sounds terrible. I'm, I, I'm, 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 I'm very excited about this. I'm definitely going to watch it. It looks very strange. Oh no, this looks terrible. I'm a big fan of strange. This looks really bad. I'm looking at the poster for it now. Um, cause, cause I like, her, I, I went to go and see, in fact, the last thing that I will have seen at the cinema for some time, um, went to go and see the true history of the Kelly gang. Oh yeah. Um, which is very, very good. Um, I would say go and see it, but you probably shouldn't. Um, Not right if you now. Can even, even if you can find a cinema that's open, you probably shouldn't go. Um, and they probably won't be showing that at baby cinema either. I doubt it. It is about, um, murderous australian gangs um why don't they just make it a podcast and then i can enjoy it from the comfort of my own home (laughs) welcome to the kelly gang um but yeah that that was a that was a great movie really really good so when that comes to streaming services i recommend that you'll check it out it's it's uh it's great um amazing performances all around really interesting direction Um, i've heard nothing but good things about that yeah it's great um so anyway yeah I I want to go I want to go see Judy and Punch. It looks it looks weird and and possibly grim. The two <laughs> things that I like in a movie. Um but, on, but yeah, so, the town is called the town in the film is called Seaside England. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> but it's nowhere by the sea. Um so uh anyway, right, that that'll bring the the trivia to an end uh for for this week. Cool, cool. Big up Philip Glass. Yeah, Philip Grass, friend of the podcast. Philip Grass. <laughs> Philip Grass. <laughs> that's, that's what he was when he was in prison. Yeah. <laughs> Until he had a prison break. <laughs> and that's that's how him and Wentworth Miller got together to start working on Stoker. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like the great escape. They tunneled out together. And Philip Glass was like, do we need a soundtrack to this? And Wentworth Miller was like, yeah, yeah, man. Do, um, do 4.43. Yeah. And that was just enough time for them to get out of the tunnel. <laughs> that's it. Um, oh, that's anyway, not even right. Philip Glass, is it? That's um, No, that's... Um, who is that fucking piece of music where it's just John Cage. minutes of silence? It's John Cage. Nicholas Cage. It? That's the one. Yeah, Nicholas Cage. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, right. What, have you got anything else to, to share? Uh, no, I, I think we've covered it. As I said, this, this film weirded me out. It was strange, not something I'd usually choose, but I'm glad I watched it. So thank you. Oh, well, you're more than welcome. Um, so how are we going to rate this then? Oh, on the, on my notes, I wrote that I still don't know what a deviled egg is and I don't. So how does one devil an egg? That's my question to you. Well, you first, you've got to know the sacred rites. Right. Okay. Um, it's the first thing. The right and to bear then, arms. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then you've got to read them out at midnight uh, whilst uh, squeezing the blood of a goat over an open fire. Um, and then on that fire, you boil an egg 
and then you scoop out the yolk and then you mash up the yolk with mayonnaise and mustard and stuff and then you shove it back in and then you put some paprika on top and that's what a deviled egg is shove it back into what into the chicken in (laughs) so you boil an egg right um and then you cut it in half you scoop out the yolk um and then you mash up the yolk with mayonnaise and mustard um and then you sort of um squeeze it back into the hole where the yolk would have been that's revolting (laughs) and then you cover it in paprika (laughs) That sounds like a lot of work for not very little culinary gain. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's a, it's an old thing from like, well, I, I think they were mostly popular in the 60s and 70s. Right. Um, yeah. Which I think makes sense. That's the kind of thing you'd see it's, on that, um, that Instagram account, 70s dinner party. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so yeah. So that's what a deviled egg is. Okay. You learn something new every you know. day. <laughs> <laughs> I also wrote I hate uncles in films which is I think a fair comment what about Uncle Buck Uncle Buck's good okay he's the only good uncle on- <laughs> the all other uncles uncle. are bad all other uncles are cancelled especially um, the ones that Terence and Philip are talking about in the South Park movie <laughs> what about Uncle Dursley yeah he's bad Vern- Uncle Vernon old Vernon yeah. He's not good. No one's called Vernon, apart from I Vernon sometimes K. wonder where Uncle Vernon is now. <laughs> He's dead. Oh. I saw him on stage in the History Boys. Oh, really? Yeah, he was great. Ah, that was a brilliant, brilliant performance. Um, hey, Uncle Vernon and Uncle Monty as well. Yes, exactly. That's a good uncle, actually. Welcome to the Uncle Podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Uncle Cast. <laughs> Um, so anyway, right? How are we going to rank this? I'm going to rank this. Um, let's see. How how many episodes of your sexy murder podcast does it take to reveal the truth? Oh, that's a good one. Um, so for me, it's going to be. I think I'm going to go a bit generous here and go 14. Um, this movie is a little bit of a trash heap, but in a very stylish way with lots of interesting direction and some genuinely memorable scenes. So yeah, 14. Yeah, I think that that's generous, but fair. I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'm going to go for 11, which I think just reflects the fact that it's not necessarily really my thing, but that I still enjoyed it and thought it was, it was over halfway there and there's a lot to like about it. And it's weird and strange. And I think is worth watching if you, if you're open-minded. Yes, yeah. It's not for everybody, but there's some there's some interesting stuff. Yes. Yeah. So that's cool. Alrighty. So what have we got well, next? Well, um my friend of the podcast, Paul Stark, audiobook warrior, has requested that we do some Studio Ghibli now that they're on Netflix, which is a thing we've been talking about anyway. So we're gonna do Castle in the Sky. And it's on the Netflix oh. thing on UK Netflix. It just says Castle in the Sky, not Lapita Castle in the Sky, but which oh. I think is the full title, but yes, whatevs. Excellent stuff. Yeah, quite quite a turn from this. Yeah, slightly different, slightly different yeah, film, but a good thing. Yes, for sure. Cool. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no, that is it from me. Good, good, Matthew. Good, Matthew. So, good. shout out to Matthew. Good, and um, shout out to you for listening in. 
we really hope you're you're all good and we hope you're all staying safe in these these strange strange times but um we will be here still to comfort you every week and to tell you about great films so thanks a lot for tuning in and stay safe keep it real keep it gold other inspirational stuff keep it foolish that's a good one as well um but yeah but seriously thanks a lot for tuning in we really really appreciate it i hope you're all keeping well um you can get to us on twitter at big boys don't pod on the email big boys don't cry podcast at gmail.com always love to hear from you yes do you have a crazy uncle yeah tell us about your uncles yeah who's your favorite uncle is it remember use the hashtag paddy uncle cast (laughs) (laughs) we'll be your uncles yep we're happy we're happy to be your uncles yeah that's what podcasts (laughs) are for yeah it's for finding new uncles (laughs) all right and we'll be back next week to talk about studio ghibli's laputa castle in the sky all right bye 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 Uncle. Uncle. <laughs> Uncle fucker. <laughs> <laughs>